Hey, everybody, I'm Paul Wilkie. And I'm David Oro, and welcome to The Embargo, the greatest PR podcast of all time. Damn straight. There's always something to talk about and a point to make. And we're going to do it when we want, which is usually every other week. Whether it's tech, business, sports, music, or your mama, we're going to cover it. And it all comes from the point of view of public relations, reputation, and communications. All about punching stodgy PR in the face. So that's right. So sit back, strap in, and let's get it on. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Punching stodgy PR in the face is our mantra. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good. How you been, man? Doing all right. So I wanted to bring up the topic of basketball. I don't know if you watch basketball too much. Do you watch basketball? I do. You're a Bay Area guy, so the last decade was a Bay Area guy. So for the last decade, um, the Warriors have been doing fantastic, right? And so it's been very exciting around here. Breaking news right before the embargo. Uh, I mentioned punching Stodgy P on the face. The guy that Draymond punched in the face, <laughs> Jordan Poole, is getting traded to the Washington Wizards for a 36-year-old, almost a 38-year-old, Chris Paul, who's been around forever. And I normally don't bring up sports on this show unless we're talking about sports. Because we punched Sanji B on face and because Jordan Poole punched, got punched in the face by Draymond. I was like, hey, that's a nice little f- fun intro. Nice. So that's, that's why I brought it up. There's no other reason to talk about it other than punching people in the face. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of punching, our own our local team down here, we have a new hockey team, new minor league hockey team, the Coachella Firebirds. They made it to the finals, the AFL finals. Uh, what, is, what is even the the the... the what is the little league of hockey? I don't even know. <laughs> it's called the the A the, the AHL. Um, yeah. For some reason, they thought putting hockey in the desert was a great idea. This was their first season. Uh, I went to one game. It feels like you know NHL NHL magic. I mean, it's a full stadium and great you know great quality of game. But you know, first season going to the finals that ain't bad. Well, I think the Las Vegas team won the Stanley Cup this year, so they're in the desert too. So it's a it's a trend. Hey, (laughs) warming, bring hockey to the desert. I love it. (laughs) All right, Paul, we got another guest this week because you and I just can't talk to each other by ourselves. We have to have somebody to be an intermediary between us. Intermediator. We've got got someone I've known for a number of years and I've worked with a number of years. He he knows the business inside out. I'm going to let Steve Scheibach, you need no introduction, so I'm not going to introduce you. I'm going to let you talk about yourself, and then we're going to talk a little bit about your business and our business and how we work together, how you work with amazing people, how you connect amazing people. So I'm going to keep it broad. I'm going to let you do the talking. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, David. It's a pleasure to be here. I do talk about myself a lot because very few people do what I do. So I pretty much have to educate everyone on my first call. So I guess on any given uh, 30-minute call, I'll probably speak for the first 20 minutes and then dive into the guts of it. Um, Yeah, I'm a matchmaker. And when I'm in public and I tell that to certain people, they immediately think I'm going to try to find them a spouse or a date. But um, I actually do have a few successful uh, weddings under my belt. But for the most part, day in, day out, I match company executives with best fit agency and consultant partners around the world, uh, whether it be PR, marketing, advertising, influencers. Um, I have 200 partners that are on contract with me globally. So at any given time, 
Uh, I am helping companies find best fit agencies. And my model's unique uh, for unlike the classic search firms, the agencies cover my fees. So I'm free to the client. So there's very few barriers uh, to entry in speaking with a company. Um, and, you know, I love what I do. I work with large global firms. I work with scrappy boutiques and, and very talented consultants. So whether it's uh, an eight or $10,000 a month or it's $100,000 a month, I'm pretty good at finding a good match. In fact, I received a, um, a text from my agency partner at midnight and then from the client themselves at 6 a.m. And uh, we want a piece of business this morning. So nice. I love my job. It's a lot of fun. And I meet some great people like you guys. So, Steve, do you, before all this, what were you doing? My last employer that I'll probably ever have was Fleischman Hillard. I was the head of business development for the Southwest region. And I enjoyed it a lot. And prior to that, I worked for a British firm. And before that, I worked for Ruder Finn. And before that, I was the entertainment and agency guy at PR Newswire. So I ran the entertainment practice globally. And you can imagine pre-9-11 how much fun I had in Los Angeles and New York, just going to agencies, talking with people, seeing my friends, going out for drinks or for donuts or lunch or whatever. And that's pretty much when I started matchmaking and just counseling people and, and building up a big, uh, to date myself, Rolodex of contacts that I still have today. So uh, I love my job. I meet some great people. And when I was at Fleischman, uh, it was funny. There was a, a girl that I had met on eHarmony, who's actually a client, the eHarmony is that is. And she kept asking me for job introductions because I, you know, interviews because I knew so many people. And I kind of jokingly said to myself, I really should do something with all these contacts instead of helping people that just want interview help. And so when I left Fleischman, that's what I started doing full time. And within, I'd say, one week of leaving the agency, I'd already lined up uh, an electric automobile manufacturer uh, with a PR firm. And the person that ran that PR firm was the first chief marketing officer of Tesla. And we were off to the races. That Wait, was it. what happened to the girl at He Harmony, though? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see. She's worked at a few companies, and I think she does content right now. She's oh. uh, still in LA. I think she's doing fine, but she doesn't ask me for interview help anymore. So I think she's got a good job. Oh wait, so it wasn't an eHarmony that Steve was on eHarmony looking for a, a date. It was like a work thing, or or what? No, it was Steve on eHarmony looking for a date, <laughs> and she was awesome. We're still friends. I don't talk to her much anymore, but that was you know. It's eHarmony. It's the the high class dating service, right? So, um, I'm actually still friends with a few of the people I met there years ago. Um, well, and you know, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to be dating. There's friendships that can be made out of all of that. So, yeah, yeah, you know. And but I mean, I think that's the gist of what I do. It really is. It's like dating, and I think that's a lot of the advice I give people at the end of the day is whether you're interviewing for a job or you're you're pitching a company, if you don't feel it. Whether you're the company or the agency, just walk away. It's just not worth it. That's Your model it. is to, you know, a bunch of agencies and you also know a bunch of entrepreneurs or business leaders and the business leaders, you know, they probably have an inclination of some PR help, some agency help, some marketing firm, but maybe they don't have time. Why are they coming to you? per se, rather than relying on their own network of folks? 
Well, that's a great question. There's several examples that I could use to answer that. Um, the first is they've they've already tapped their network. Maybe they've been to several different jobs. They've been a director or VP of comms, and someone, whether it was at Nike or Waze or Google, said you should talk to Steve. I'm free. Why not? So they call me up or there's an email introduction. Most of my business is actually through introductions. I don't do a lot of business prospecting and that's good because I don't actually have a lot of time to do it because I'm introducing agency. Um, and then they talk to me and they'll typically say, look, we're talking to these two or three agencies. Do you have one, maybe two that you would recommend to round it out to be somewhere between three and five agencies? And not only will I get all the details of what the company's looking for, the timeline, the budget, who are the decision makers, every single question you guys would ever ask. I try to get my hands on that. And then I reach out to one or two candidates that are on contract with me that I think would be a great fit. And when I do that, I look specifically for, is the agency interested? Are they conflict-free? Do they have the capacity? I want to make sure that they actually have a passion for the space. And there's one other element that I'm forgetting at this time, but they have to check off all five. Um, I have them write me a nice note. I then share it with the company. If I get the thumbs up from the company, I make an introduction and they're off to the races. Um, I also advise them on the agencies that they're speaking with. So maybe there's two or three. I'll give them my honest insight into those agencies. And I, I know a lot about the agency world because I talk to clients. I talk to former employees. I talk to agency owners. So I know the clients these agencies represent. Maybe they've got an oil and gas client they're trying to hide, or maybe they represent tobacco. Maybe they're on the foreign agent registration list, uh, you know, with the, the Secretary of State or the federal government. So I just share these insights. Maybe it's an amazing agency that is either my partner or not. I'll I'll tell them if they should keep them in the review. So I really get into the weeds, and I think the companies really like it because I share insights that they may not always already have, and I end up being a counselor and a sounding board. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I, I think in, in because you and I have worked together a number of years, one of the things that I like about your approach is you you make the process so much more efficient for not just the agency, but also for the potential client as well. I mean, you kick the tires of both sides. And you know, you know, you you can, you know, there have been several cases you and I have worked together where it's like, you know what, you're gonna have a problem here, or they're great here, but they need work here. And I know you say the same thing to the to, to on the client side. And that makes for a much streamlined onboarding process and usually a better client agency relationship as well. Yeah. I end up being uh, kind of a wedding counselor sometimes. You know, the client, the agency might come to me, you know, six months into it and say, hey, Steve, I'm getting a weird vibe from the client. Um, can you reach out to them? And, and this has happened on a number of occasions where I'll, I'll reach out to the client and I'll say, hey, you know, Paul or Susie or something is curious. Everything OK? And the client will say it's fine. And then I'll ask them again. And that's when they start talking. And I'm, I'm able to kind of help that relationship along the way because, I mean, communication is everything. And if there's a, a break in the communication that the two parties can't put together, but I, I can help mend, I will. All right. So there's plenty of firms out there that hire. It's, all, it's the temp agency model. I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying you can go to these firms and say, you know what, we'll double you on you and we'll place you inside a large firm. It could be Exxon. You can do a contract where we're going to take some money off the top of you, but you're going to go in there and do PR, marketing content, whatever it is. 
um, but you're you are you are owned by I don't know X Y Z firm and not Exxon, but we're paying you. Those are like so sort of that like the contractor model that is traditional. You're not doing that at all. You're just putting people together, keeping that relationship going, taking that fee, and hoping that that continues and renews in different ways. I guess with each and every engagement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have. I mean, I've helped. God, companies ranging from Waze and Google, same company, uh, LinkedIn. I, I introduced LinkedIn to one of their agencies, I think, seven or eight years ago. It's still a client. Uh, Instagram. I mean, I, I come across my agencies. I'll check in with them years later, and I'll say, are you still working with so-and-so? They're like, yeah, it's great. You know, the PR people have moved on. They, they're, you know, two or three jobs later. Um, but, you know, it, uh, it. Paul was right. It. The satisfaction obviously comes from making money, but man, there's nothing better than when uh, the CEO or the, the head of marketing communication says, Steve, this is great. We didn't even know about this agency. Thanks for introducing him to us. Um, I've had, I've introduced people that have become best friends just because of the client agency relationship. Um, you know, it, it's, it's great. And, and, and while I'm doing all of that, you know, I encourage people, hey, if you've got someone that's, you know, starting out in, in their first time in PR marketing and they're leaving college, give me a call. I'm happy to give them some advice or, you know, whether you're 18 or 80 and you're, you're interviewing for jobs, I give people tips on, on how to do that as well. Because I mean, really, I'm just helping agencies interview for jobs all day long. And yeah. so I like to give back when I can. And I'm, while I'm not a mentor, um, actually I don't have a lot of time to, to dedicate myself to that. I do always help people that are looking for their first job or startup CEOs that don't know anything about the PR landscape and whether they sign an agency or not, I try to help them avoid some of the pitfalls. The last gig that you had, and you, you said it too, it was like my last job, the last one you'll ever have was at Fleischman Hiller, right? Yeah. Former yeah. FHR, right? And yeah. uh, I left that joint and I moved away from the St. Louis mothership where their headquarters is and all that. And, uh, but I also said, since I've been consulting, I, I'm like, I'm not taking a job. Right. I, I, I jokingly say, I jokingly say, um, you know, if I'm looking for a job, you know, things aren't good. Right. If I'm looking for a client, things are okay. If I'm looking for a client, that's all right. But if I'm looking for like a full-time job, David's in trouble. <laughs> right. You know, so things are not good. Uh, I, I hear you on that. And so when you jumped out on your own and you left Fleischman Hiller and they, they are probably one of the stodgiest firms I know, if you ask me, uh, you know, they, they've got some big clients and they're a very successful firm and they know what they're doing. Awesome. You just got to be ready for that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> you know, uh, the stodginess, if yeah. you will. But when you left, I mean, Obviously, you were matchmaking for years, right? And so it, I, I imagine it started at the uh, PR Newswire, right? You had to go out and meet a bunch oh, yeah. of people, right? And you're meeting all these agency folks and and then you're also selling to, you know, uh, clients that were of agencies, right? And so I'm, I'm thinking entertainment, right? There's some oh, Hollywood yeah. PR agency and then there's uh, MGM, Fox and others that you need to talk to and gaming companies. But what what made you say okay there's a there's a market for this with somebody else doing it or did you just go out there and just entrepreneurially said fuck it I'm going to do it and see what happens 
There was a woman I interviewed with at Manning Salvage and Lee in Los Angeles. Fantastic Australian woman, um, powerhouse PR player, and got to know her. And she's just, she was one of the people that suggested almost verbatim, why don't you just go out and find agencies you like and bring them clients? Um, and I, I canvassed agency owners, friends in and out of the industry. I mean, I sat down with one of my my friends who's the head of marketing at, at Disney Channel. And I, I jokingly asked her, coming from a PR background, I went, what's marketing? And she actually couldn't answer it. And I'm like, wow, if a head marketer can't really answer the very basic question of what's marketing, that's a, that's a wide open field. And so I thought maybe it shouldn't just be PR. Maybe it should be digital and marketing. And social was just you know, reaching its peak. And the only influencers were mommy bloggers. And I thought there's a lot that I can do out here. And I know a lot of people. And so uh, one of the best bosses that a guy could ever have was Howard Solomon of now Finn Partners, but he was at Reuter Finn. And I joke whenever I go visit Finn, I embarrass him in front of his, you know, the people that report to him, like best boss ever. You know, <laughs> he's a good dude. Um, but he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, man, I'll work with you. Go out and bring us some clients. We, I enjoyed working with you while you were a Finn and, you know, you'll be great. And so I did. Um and I wasn't doing this more than six months when I was speaking with a friend of mine who was at the Wonderful Company. She did cuties and pistachios and everything else. And she, she's a good friend of mine. She's like, yeah, Steve, don't worry about the U.S. Go international. That's where we need help. And just a month later, I was helping her find an agency in China. Nice. And that was 45 countries ago. So I just kind of took the leap for two reasons. One, I didn't want a boss anymore. and two. I didn't want to be, you know, an old man looking back on my days, wishing that I had been an entrepreneur at some point. I didn't want that regret in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say it was the last employer that I'll ever have. Man, I, I, would, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing. And, and I have a master's degree in environmental science from Boulder, Colorado. And in the last year, I found myself just going down a rabbit hole, helping companies that want to stop. Uh, climate change and educate the people on on oil and gas and what that means. And I'm helping maybe six companies right now on a global basis or doing events internationally or helping with environmental leaders and champions uh, make change. And so I'm a staunch uh, advocate for agencies, especially in the marketing communication space, to be transparent to be ethical, to not greenwash. Um, and I have that platform because I don't really care what people say about me. I try to stay ethical. I try to do my job well. I try to be honest with people. I try to make good matches. And, you know, I'm getting back to my, my roots in the environmental space and I'm trying to clean up our industry a little bit. Well, that's funny because right before this call today, as we were preparing for it, connected with you on LinkedIn and then you posted something that I was like, whoa, I've never seen this before. At the Keynes Lines Festival uh, that's happening this week, uh, a group called Clean Creatives, a nonprofit pushing the marketing industry away from fossil fuel clients, did a renegade tactic that is classic PR against one of the biggest heads of PR, Richard Elderman, and they basically took a sign and walked up to him while he's walking around Canes 
with a sign right behind him that says, this person works with fossil fuel clients. And then the sign next to him says the agency is happy to greenwash fossil fuels. Talk to me about this, Steve. What do you think? Hey, I emailed Duncan Mysell, who's the, he's the co-founder of Clean Creatives. Those, that, those were his team members. He is, he's brilliant. He's funny. Um, I wish I had gone to South by Southwest because they did a partnership with Ben and Jerry's and they named specific ice creams after people that are affecting climate change. And I, I think they always poke at Hill and Knowlton and, and, and especially Richard Edelman. Their tactics are creative. They're amusing. They're honest. They don't harm anyone, but they do call out bullshit. And agencies like Edelman, we all know Richard's goal was to be the first billion dollar agency. I know that from firsthand accounts and, and listening to people. Um, and it's sad because that individual had a chance to put the planet first as opposed to his oil and gas companies. And, you know, I had to laugh. I don't know how many, maybe it was a year ago, uh, Clean Creatives or someone called him out for you know, having all these clients in the oil and gas space. And what it, Richard does, he puts them on a 60-day review for these 25 clients. I don't believe they got rid of any of them. And he hires a bunch of expensive environmentalists, supposedly. Um, and he ends his statement with something akin to um, when people think uh, clean energy, we want them to think of Edelman. And it's like, well, what a sales guy. Like I'm the sales guy and I wouldn't even finish a statement like that. So, you know, so when, when they're, they're just doing something hilarious like that at, at Cannes, I, you have to laugh um, because they're just, they just want truth in advertising. They want people to be honest. And I would have a lot more respect for agencies if they were like, we're a tobacco agency, we're an oil and gas agency, we're a gun agency, instead of trying to greenwash because we've only got one planet, just do the right thing. It's not that difficult. So it's big business though, right? And so if you go to Shell, if you go to Exxon, if you go to Chevron, these aren't tiny agency budgets. It's only tiny if you might be a contractor and doing a little bit of work every month here and there. But if you're an agency of record, we're, how much are we talking here? We're talking hundreds, millions of dollar years contracts, yeah? Oh yeah, I mean, it's gotta be way the hell up there. Um, and it's not just... Those guys, it's also Dubai and Saudi Arabia, you know, so it it doesn't just end there. You it it crosses into human rights issues. Um, you know, so you can go down a real dark rabbit hole. But yeah, you're talking stuff. I mean, they're the top clients, they have to be. They're millions and millions of dollars. When you get into PR, I mean, there's some tactics in there to sway public opinion, which are very effective, which somebody with an environmental science and master's degree coming out of Colorado would know a little bit about, right? Yeah. I mean, then the thing is they don't even have to be that creative, right? It's so easy to, to keep the status quo going. The people that really need to be creative are the ones that are trying to stop climate change. Um, Cause you can just keep pounding the drum and people just keep living their lives and stuff. Um, but you know, the, I think if Edelman were to drop the oil companies tomorrow, I'd be happy. I'd be like, great. You know, I wish you all the, the great business in the world that comes to you. You know, anyone that's doing that. Or at least for the love of God, just be transparent, man. Don't try to tell us you're going to try to steer senior leadership at an oil company away from oil. And that's that's their shtick. Just 
do the right thing. Tough for self, too. I mean, it's easier to say, you know what, we're not going to go there. Yeah, and and the and there's always that BS answer of, oh, well, there's people that need jobs. Well, shit, you're going to lay them off anyway for some other reason, and don't don't try to you know be the holy grail of a potential employer. Like, you take any of these. EVPs or senior VPs or directors, especially the directors, the unicorns in our space, they'll get jobs tomorrow. I mean, you know, if they don't leave of their own volition. So don't ever use the Obadar employees shtick. Like that doesn't, that doesn't fly. There's so many jobs out there. And although our industry is rather unstable right now with the economy and more and more small shops are having trouble, I know this because I speak with a lot of agency owners, they're, they're still hiring. They will yeah. always hire the director level and the senior AE. So what what are you seeing out there right now? What what? Are, so Paul and I have had this discussion before, and we have it offline. It's not on the embargo. Um, it's a phone call afterwards just to check in, and I talk to other friends and colleagues. What's it like out there? And like I got to tell you, end of last year, and particularly the beginning of this year, it was like, oh shit, I don't know what's going to happen. This is a freakout mode, and it was a freakout mode because. Just last summer, I was like, I'm not sure what in tech, when we're tech PR people, or at least I am for sure, is going to be hot. So we had, you know, you had the internet, you had wireless, you had social media, you had cloud computing, all these things were happening. And I was like, oh, dude, it's over. <laughs> it's like, I can't think of anything coming. And then all of a sudden, AI shows up, billions of dollars are pouring in, and like tech companies are like, okay, let's get back on a roll. And now business is like pretty good, right? You know, it's just been kind of weird. You don't know what's going to happen. What are you seeing, Steve? It's nutty out there. I, I went back to San Francisco for the first time in a year, and I, I expected there to be, you know, dead people on the street and like cobwebs and horror shows in the windows. There there are a lot of closed windows, right? There's a lot of space available. But I, I found, I mean, the, I've been going there since I was a little kid. Um, I'm from Northern California, so I didn't, it didn't seem that different to me. So I understand. But I went to two venture capital uh, parties on the one on the top of one Sansom and the other one just on the south of the ball field. And by the vibe in those parties, you wouldn't know that there was any issue with the economy. I mean, granted, the, the main topic was AI, but um, I advise a, a startup women's health company here that, you know, is in seed stage. Uh, there's a lot of women's health, a lot of health tech, AI. Um, there's a lot of uh, air tech, meaning you know clean air, how to improve the air, how to do carbon capture. They're investing in that. You know, we I think most of us probably read CB Insights or Crunchbase when it comes through every day, or something akin to that. And you see who's you know pumping money into where, and which bets paid off, which didn't. You know it. Uh, there was an agency that closed last week in Britain. Uh, I never get the name right. It's like Tinker, Taylor, Talker. I, I, I wish I remembered and don't mean to insult them, but um, apparently it's getting harder for the smaller mid-size firms. But I think it depends mainly also on your approach to business development. Um, who your who your teams are, meaning like who the main contact on the team is. Do they have a strong rapport with the client? I find that to be one of the biggest weaknesses of agencies and the strongest indicator of client loss. I should know. Um, and how they are in business development. So it, there is no clear answer. 
But I can tell you that there are agencies that have been partners of mine for years that I'm thrilled to have on my bench. And they they refuse most of the leads I send them because they're at capacity or I zeroed in so well on what they do that they're conflicted out with the main competitor, right? Those agencies over the last year have called me. And that makes me nervous when those particular agencies call me. I don't want them to call me. I want them to actually refuse my leads 80% of the time because that's a good bellwether of how the economy is doing. So yeah, it's very unstable. Um, reviews are taking, they're moving at a glacial pace. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in several reviews right now that should have wrapped up two months ago and they're still going. But I can tell you that all the industries, um, there's always something out there, whether it's some form of SaaS, home fitness, pharma, healthcare, automotive, whatever it is, they're, they're still out there. But I think what, as an agency owner, what you need to really look out for is your relationship with the client. There are agencies, like I remember when I was several years ago before text and byte became archetype, I was, I had a few clients come from text and I asked them, Hey, why are you leaving? And they're like, well, they do good work, but they're really expensive. Fair enough. Um, what do you think of the team? Well, they do good work. Right. But that's not my question. What do you think of the team? And in, in certain instances, they didn't have a relationship with the team. And so it just gets back to that point of chemistry being very important um, because agencies that don't have a strong rapport with uh, their clients, they will lose them when the first strong wind blows over. Um, in fact, one of my friends just joined another company and that's gonna be probably a $35,000 a month review for PR only. And she just met um, a couple of the PR folks and she wasn't impressed. And the person who's her boss isn't impressed. It gets because they don't have a strong rapport. They've been working with them for a few years. They're going to lose that account and I'll find them a new home. And one thing that I, I want to mention before I forget, and I advise a lot of people of this, I think a lot of agencies are having a tough time because it was such a lucrative period before and during the pandemic that you didn't really have to do a lot of business development. And from someone who's done business development for 20 plus years, and I don't treat it as sales. I treat it as counseling and education and being a resource. It's scary. Um, but if you just go out there and you look through your LinkedIn database, you network, you just reach out to people that you really want to work with and you say, hey, my name is Bob. I've worked with these several companies. I've always thought your company was great. Um, you might be all set with PR marketing. But if you want to talk shop and discuss the industry and network a little bit, I'm here for you. Because that's literally what I did at PR Newswire. I just waited for Business Wire to screw up. And when they did, I was there. I already had the relationship. Because I think right now, people don't want sales pitches. They no. just want someone they can talk to that'll be a resource that they won't be putting their neck out for. Um, and as a tip, and I might have mentioned this to you, Paul, but everyone should just go into LinkedIn and download their contacts into Excel. And it gives you first, last, title and company and actually the date that you met the person and man it is a surefire way to take the, take the stress out of sales and networking you just reach out to people that you're already linked into just say hi but um i i am a firm believer that i think any agency can make it through this and potentially thrive i was on the phone yesterday with one of my long-term agency partners they've got 
maybe 100 people, 200 people, they're crushing it. Um, you know, because they, I think they, they constantly network and they're constantly out there. So it, I think any agency can survive this, but it might not be easy. Good advice all around. Can't argue with that. That's a long-winded answer. I apologize for that. That's a thorough answer. We like that. Dude, it was super insightful. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think we should dive right into our, our game of the week. Oh, please. Yes. What is that? It is rep, fire, or refer. So, Steve, we're playing rep, fire, refer. You get to either rep them, fire them, or refer them to somebody. And we're going to pick three topics, and Paul picked them this week. And let's talk about them before you choose them, too. The first topic, and, and, and it's timely because we, you know, we, we received news about the, the Titan sub today, the fate of it. But we wanted to talk about, as a client, Titanic tourism, adventure tourism, elite tourism. Um, you, you know, I think the original was Titanic tourism, and it's too yeah. soon, Paul. It's too soon. The thing that fascinated me, and, and about three months ago, I was watching CBS Mornings, and David Pogue did a story on the Titan sub. He went down with it. And the story itself was not a great story from a PR perspective. And I watched them like... Ooh, this is a little bit cringeworthy, but not not terrible. But it's like, and and you know, three days ago, four days ago, I'm like, oh wait a second, I think that's the same sub sub Pogue was in, and you know, it, again, it's always be careful of, of of what you want in terms of media coverage because you might get it at the at the worst possible time, and that story has gotten you know second second third fourth fourth legs. Um, but just fascinating. So that's 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 client one, and you can you can package it however you want, whether it's Titanic tourism or elite adventure tourism, like the stuff that um, Elon Musk and and um, Jeff Bezos is doing with space tourism, or just sort of you know you know unique experiences, whether it's Mount Everest or whatever. Um, so that's that's number one. Second one is Amazon, everyone's favorite PR punching boy. Uh, last week it came out that they're they're doing some sort of shady practices around um, keeping and maintaining one's prime membership, uh, raising the cost or you know not making it easy for them to get out of it. So that's that's client two. Um, and then the third is Major League Baseball, the American pastime. They've got a lot going on right now. They've got the A's leaving Oakland and going to possibly Las Vegas and all that mess. They've got a, a series, um, you know, a, 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 as of this moment, they're playing a series in London this weekend with a bunch of rule changes that, you know, baseball is, is the toughest sport for, for, for Brits to get on board with the begin at the best of times, new rules, new environment. You know, I'm not sure how, that, how well that's going to go down. Um, so those are the three. So we'll let you pick it any, any order where you, whether you rep them, fire them or refer them. Oh, Okay, well, I can be pretty speedy on this one. So if it's directly in relationship to the Titanic and Ocean Gate, I mean, you don't want to wrap that mess. That's a that they're just gonna be lawsuits galore. I, I wouldn't want to wrap them that fire on that that's their own make it's really a sad situation. Yes. But I think it speaks to the bigger fact of sort of this elite tourism. Right. And so you've got people going underwater. Right. Even James Cameron's going to the depths of the ocean. Uh, then you've got uh, 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 Richard Branson trying to get people in subspace. 
And then you've got uh, who, uh, Jeff Bezos trying to get people up in space too. It, it's, yeah. really, it's really awkward. I mean, it's kind of cool, but you know, I mean, if we were around when the airplane took commercial airlines first started, it probably would have been sort of the same thing, right? You know, yeah. it's only for the rich, right? So, uh, let's see the Amazon one. You know, I, if you don't like Prime and you want to get out, Google how to get out of Prime. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think I would refer that one away to a consultant that can do crisis and call it a day because with all the everything else going on. I, I don't think that's a big issue. Just Google how to fix it and get the hell out if you don't like it. And if, if you want to go on a class action lawsuit, knock yourself out. But I think it's a blip on the radar. And then, uh, yeah, MLB. I like, I don't watch baseball unless I'm at the game. But yeah, I mean, those innings can go on forever. So I'm okay. If, and I, everyone I've talked to that has watched the games, uh, we all like it being shorter. And I try to get to London a few times a year. And, you know, people are always looking for new forms of entertainment and it has that kitschy kind of Americana to it. So I think that would be a fun one to represent, especially if you're, you know, trying to get Europe interested in it and all the events you could do and the celebs and the stars and the yeah. giveaways. I think that'd be fun. So I'd, I'd definitely rep the MLB. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you there on, the, on Major League Baseball and their changes. I, I heard about them. I'm a baseball fan. I, I <laughs> It's funny. I like going to the game and watching it or just hanging out really is more of the experience, but I do watch it. And then I also like watching it at home, particularly a, a, a weekend home. I end up falling asleep half the time just because it takes a little bit. And th and my family hates it. My family just hates watching <laughs> baseball. So I don't watch a lot of it, but the other night I, after the rule changes, I mean, we're like, we're two months into the season and I already, and I, it was my first game that I watched with these changes and they have a timer now, 13 seconds a really odd time it's fantastic there's like there's pace there's things going on and it's like and like it, it used to be really slow and i would just wait forever for the next pitch and i you know you do whatever around the house while you're watching it but no no you have to have to watch it now and i think it's good for the game yeah. you know yeah. i mean steve i i you know i'll concur with both of you guys i i, I rep fire refer the same way you guys play it definitely rep baseball for one reason one reason only and that's and that's mlb advanced media they have their game tight you know yeah. they, they were the first to figure out streaming and and you know integration with tv and they know what they're doing and as a matter of fact i think it was last week uh the cable provider a cable channel that had the rights to san diego padres they lost it they, they filed for bankruptcy or ran out of money and they just walked away from their mlb contract MLB um, advanced media swooped in and said, all right, we'll do it. And they later that evening, they just got, they like, they dusted off Bob Costas. They brought him in and they just got everything up and running. Um, they're, they're worth keeping an eye on. I love how you said yeah. dust off Bob Costas. Like he literally yeah. is that old. <laughs> like, you can go to the attic and just dust that guy off and come out the same way as before. <laughs> I love Bob Costas, man. Best. Best Olympic spokesperson and journalist ever, reporter. You guys, great. Steve, you, you were fantastic to talk to. We've never covered this subject before. It was new, different, interesting. And I think for our 500,000 listeners every month that we get, <laughs> Give or take we're going to really appreciate this, this conversation because you, you shed a lot of light. 
Oh, thanks. It was it was a lot of fun. I enjoy it. I, uh, I like talking, so that's a good fit. I like Paul, and good to talk to you, David, so I enjoyed myself. All right. Until next time. Good seeing you all. Take care, everybody. All right. Thanks, guys.